Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. Whether you are transforming yourself, your team, your business, or your community, we'll connect you with insightful and challenging leaders who share their stories of successful transformations to give you practical ideas for your own journey. Join us for another insightful episode of Creating Synergy. Hey there, Synergizers. Welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. I am Daniel Franco, your host. And today we chatted to a great man by the name of David Scarcella. David is a passionate human being. He's especially passionate in energy, innovation and technology and really wants to make a difference in this world. He's currently the CEO of a renewable energy company called Solmec. Solmec specializes in solar farm technology and doing some really large projects for the government and private enterprise across Australia and New Zealand. David is also a devoted family man. He's a husband to a beautiful wife and a father to four enthusiastic young boys, all under the age of 10. We actually discuss in this podcast today the pressures of being a parent and running a company in tandem. In a previous life, David also had the luxury of playing and coaching at a professional level of football in the UK and Australia and was the inaugural goalkeeper for the South Australian A-League team, Adelaide United. In today's podcast, we dive into David's journey into managing a successful values-led company, all the ups and downs he's faced along the way and his love for entrepreneurship. I hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Today, we've got the one and only David Scarcella. <laughs> David, you're uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. You're in your uh, high-vis. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, why you're in your high-vis today and not in a suit? Yeah, so I think it's the uh, the joys of owning your own business, yeah. uh, having to wear you know, 100 different hats. You know, This morning, I had every intention to go normally into the office and Come in and see your your pretty face here, <laughs> and then uh, you get a call and it, you need to get out onto site and help help with something out there. And yeah. so high vis goes on, and then I'm rushing to get here. So yeah, it's part of uh, yeah your new business. A little bit late, but we won't go into that. Yeah. Today. I took <laughs> pictures. <laughs> you have proof. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave. Uh, your journey to where you are. You you've been uh, you've played professional sport in here in Australia mm-hmm. and also over in Europe and uh, you now you're in the business world running your own solar company uh, and doing very, very well I, from what I understand. Yeah, can you give us a little bit of background about your journey um, and your family life and everything? Anything? Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm getting old now. Um, I suppose from a family because family is most important. Uh, I have four kids, uh, four, boys, four boys under the age of eight. So it's um it's crazy. You're a busy man. Yeah, it's busy, and I have a, an amazing wife that looks after them and you know keeps me on the straight and narrow and keeps them on the straight and narrow. So yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's the family, the, fa- the foundation piece. <laughs> yeah, she's playing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, from my p- uh, professional sport and professional career point of view, I uh, started off, uh, you know, like every other kid with an ambition to play, um, you know, professional football mm-hmm. or soccer. 
Um, so I went through the ranks here, uh, managed to get uh, get a chance to play for Adelaide City in the old NSL at about, oh, I was probably 19, um, and then played for Adelaide United um, for that one year, the first year, which yeah, was amazing. The inaugural keeper. Yeah, the inaugural keeper. Um, so, yeah, that was that was good. Probably one of the, you know, one of the, from a oh, highlight yeah. in, in my professional sport life. It was pretty amazing because it was a time when um, sport on Adelaide City, soccer in particular in the state and nationally really was coming off the off the boil yeah. and was in, in a bit of strife. Um, and out of the ashes came this new club, Adelaide United, um, and everyone was involved. So, you know, it's funny now. I look, I look back at videos from highlights videos that I was actually showing the boys a couple of weeks ago of Adelaide City. It's like maybe three, 4,000 people at Hyde Marsh or Coopers now. Yeah. And then you have this transition, Adelaide City folds, Adelaide United comes in. You transition within six months and you've got 16,000 people watching you at Coopers. Yeah. And 4,000 people out, out the gates. So, yeah, it was it was something like, you know, my, I get goosebumps now thinking, thinking about, about it. it. And anyone that was involved in the club at the time, I think, has this, has that same feel. It's pretty special. Yeah. Um, and then... So after that, I had an opportunity to go over to the UK and uh, sign for a club called Barnsley and had a three or four year deal there. Um, so, what was that experience like? Leaving, I guess, home. Yeah. And and traveling the world and being on your own, I guess. Yeah, and, full full on. Yeah, full on. And I suppose um, when you and I had some exposure to to the the wider world as a young age, as a young kid, but. Nothing prepares you for when you go over there, what those now adults had to go through as kids to get to becoming a professional athlete in the mm. UK. You know, I think they brought out some stats. The chances of becoming a professional footballer in the UK, it's something like a third or a fifth of 1%. Oh, wow. You know, that's, that's the, that is the probability of you going through in an academy and getting paid to play sport at a professional club in the UK. Is it just purely because of the numbers of yeah, people? Yes, numbers. Yeah, it's, numbers. Um, you know, everyone wants to do it. Everyone wants to come from around the world to play in the UK. In the UK because yeah. the money can be guaranteed, not like Italy or Spain or yeah. other. Yeah. So, yeah, when when you get there, you see these kids now now are hardened. You know, it's, it's full on and they'll do anything to make sure that it's them that plays or they're in that position, not some kid from Australia. So how did you, from a, number one, when you talked about you had exposure to the wider world, what, can you elaborate on that? So, yeah, I was, I was, I suppose, fortunate and not fortunate to have a have an old man that went through and was uh, chairman of Soccer Australia and on the board of FIFA. Is, so, that, why, is that the reason why you got picked? <laughs> no. No, that's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I still hear it today. Probably not. I, had to I don't, throw it in I don't know if anyone at Barnsley, uh, <laughs> anyone at Barnsley <laughs> no. knew who my old man was. But, no, um, no, just but, yeah, like it. it's uh, yeah, so I got to travel and yeah. you know, especially with the old man's FIFA yeah, stuff. Great. So yeah, and on the flip side, you know, I remember playing my first game for Adelaide City. Um, in front of Perth Glory, Perth Glory were flying, so they had about sixteen, seventeen thousand people. Yeah, wow. And I remember I was maybe nineteen and a half or something, and getting there was six, seven thousand people behind the goals, and I was getting all those sort of comments. Yeah, you know, here I am, you know, literally shitting myself. Yeah, and uh, and I actually had a good game. Yeah, and I think I pulled off a good save in the 
in the first couple of minutes and sort of gave it back to the crowd and they left me alone after that. But <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. Well, was, you, you, to be in that position, you have to develop a thick skin. I guess. It's got to be water off a duck's back. You can't wear the comments. It's not it's anything to put you off your game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it was like harder, again, because of my old man's position in the game. It mm. was... I was always up against that yeah. from a young as a young kid. So, yeah, it definitely hardens you, and it's probably yeah, I probably carry carry that with me today. You know, because I still have that in that shadow always. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's you just learn to live with it, and you learn to draw the positives out of it. I suppose. So, moving to the UK, how old were you when you moved over? I was 22, 22, 22 and you moved over by yourself? Yeah, by myself. Uh, so I lived in a hotel for four to six months. It's a uh, pretty daunting thing for a 22-year-old to… Yeah, yeah, it was. It was It was good fun. It would have been. Good, good fun being a footballer in the, <laughs> in the UK. Okay. Um, but yeah, you just, you know, you go from here and the money was modest at best mm. and you go there and the, and the money was, was crazy. Um, for a second slash third tier club, yep. it was we just had Peter Ridsdale, who was the old chairman of Leeds, took over the club, and what well, some of the guys, some of the wages, the guys, obviously not me as a second choice keeper, but mm. some of the other players was was crazy. The money, you know, I've, you, they're rocking up with Porsches and Ferraris, and this is like it's a big club, but it's you know it's not yeah. Chelsea or Man United, yeah, so. Um, yeah, it was a massive eye opener. Um, but then once you start to get into it, and uh, it becomes your job, and yeah. I suppose I always I enjoyed football, but I always had an entrepreneurial. You know, like I still kept my economics degree going. Yep. Transitioned and did it at Leeds Met Uni, um, and started up a while I was playing. Started up a, a noodle franchise. Yeah. So in, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, about in that. the new. I don't know. I had a, <laughs> I don't know, living in Leeds, which is a great city and uh, struggling to find good place, places to eat and we <laughs> both love our food. Yeah, we do. Franco. <laughs> um, well, and, yeah, you're, you, we've put on a few kilos. Yeah, right? 100%. <laughs> but, uh, you know, never see a skinny king. Except so. <laughs> <laughs> so, for if you refer to yourself as a king. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so, yeah, I was just playing. I was probably bored. I was probably a bit bored with – you know, you go to training, you finish at one, two o'clock. And yeah. You have so is that when you, I guess, when you started thinking about out life outside of football, soccer, did yeah. you uh, think, I think my next steps are in, in the world of business, having that exposure to your old man growing up? or Yeah, or I think um, probably not the expo the business, the entrepreneurial side doesn't come, definitely doesn't come from old man. Yeah. He's, he's been in utilities his whole life. Okay. And, that borders on government, so yeah. it's very con- conservative and non-entrepreneurial. Yeah. Um, but I always had that, you know, like as a kid, I would, I would take charge of the year 11, 12 formal. Yeah. Okay. Because I knew there was a margin, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So there'd so be. You're, so you're thinking you could make money other ways. Yeah, and I think I I enjoyed, I enjoyed the um, that process of you know thinking of new ideas and putting it into practice and make you know making uh making something of it so and probably went into that business pretty young while still playing soccer at the same time um and probably had a heap of learnings to we did okay um we managed to trade through the GFC yeah so we basically went from 
um, you know, really amazing turnover, really profitable to footfall down the street, dropping like 50, 60%. Yeah, wow. And I, I don't think anyone in Australia really understands during that 2008, 2009, um, how bad how bad it got outside of Australia. Out in the you know? UK, so, yeah. yeah, we rode through that only just and we, we had about seven, went from one to seven, seven shops franchised out. Yeah, wow. Um, and then I sort of like football, I wasn't enjoying it. I hit a few roadblocks, had a few injuries and I think in myself, I think I knew I'd hit, I think in sport, life, everything, people find their levels mm-hmm. and they stay at that level. Mm. So I think, at a point, I'm like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not good enough. I know myself <clears throat> to go to that next level to make. Is it good enough? Or didn't have the desire? No, nah, definitely not desire. No. I, I think I got to my level because I had the desire. Okay, right. So, so you hit the ceiling and what you thought your capability I, I was went right, right through my ceiling. Yeah. There was heaps of goalkeepers and heaps of players that I played with that were had ten times the ability that I had. You know, but I was the one. I'd finish training, I'd go outside and I'd have cones and I'd be doing footwork on a night. So like the, the proper sport cones, right? We're talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. yeah, yeah. Is yeah. this Joe Rogan, is it? I thought you were going to whip out it's a It's not Joe Rogan. Whip out a box. We don't have any cones <laughs> sitting around here, no. But uh, so that's uh, – it's a really good story, I guess. So what happened with the, the noodle business then in the end? Did you sell yeah, it Yeah, we sold it to a South it? African guy. Uh, I don't know if he's actually still trading still or not, but we, we did okay. Well, we did well, okay. Enough to – yeah, just during that GFC, you know, house prices tanked 60%. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we sort of did all right, invested in a bit. So so what point good. did you decide to come back to Australia? Uh, so my, uh, my wife's mother passed away. Uh, so, so you met your wife over there then? No, I met my wife here. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, after a couple of years, she came over, and uh, yeah. yeah, so we've been been together quite a quite, quite a few time. years. Yeah. And her mother, so she was her, my mother-in-law was battling, battling breast cancer for about five mm-hmm. five and a half years. So that was probably a big driver as well. Yeah. Um, so I sold the business, and then I um thought, you know what, I need I need some corporate learnings. You know, I've gone from footballer and let's be honest, like <laughs> sports people, you're doing, you know, what you're doing day in, day out doesn't train the mind and make the mind ready for proper proper business at, a, at yeah. the next level. Actually, I want to elaborate on that, but keep going. We'll come back to that point. Yeah. I've got a question for you about that. Yeah. So, and I sort of like just wing the, the noodle business. We did a good job. Yeah. Uh, but. In hindsight, we were young and carefree and could have been way better. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'd need to get some corporate experience. So I knew I was going to be leaving the UK in probably six months. So I joined a civil asset management company mm-hmm. just through some contacts that I knew. And I, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process of frame rate contracts, tying in IT, mm-hmm. um, just general, you know, building contract work, civil work. So I was like, I could... This interests me. I love it. Um, and then moved back to Australia. I don't. I'm for Australia in Australia for a year. I was like, I'm gonna just put my feelers everywhere, mm-hmm. and then just find out what what attracts me most and what mm-hmm. I want to do. So I pretty much spent a year doing networking, just networking and yeah. doing bits and pieces. And 
and you know, I think people don't understand entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. it's that old, oh, what are you into now? Question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, what are you? What are you doing now? Yeah. But people that aren't entrepreneurial don't understand the sometimes mind frame of an entrepreneur. Correct. Um, and so you, it becomes frustrating, and, and but then sometimes you go, you know, fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I've, I've got to like now sort my shit out. Yeah. Um, and so I helped a startup here in a, a company right. called Enzen. Right. Um, so they're a utility service yep. provider more around the consulting space. So yep, did that. Know and, them well. Yeah, and then <laughs> uh, got more involved in the in the energy space, and then started up started up my, my own thing. In Solmec. Yes, in Solmec. Well and, done. Yeah. So I want to touch back on the sporting mindset piece. I've got I've got two daughters. You got four boys. I believe. And I'm really keen to get your opinion on this. I believe team sport is a big part of why I'm in a what I would assume a successful position today because of the ability to manage people at quite a young level. I think when you go into team sports, you're playing with so many different personalities. I have the same sort of mindset as you, an entrepreneurial mindset, yeah. always looking to lead and gather and uh, move forward and aspire to be better. Uh, and I guess when I was younger, I had that same thought process and I was captain of, of footy team, captain of the cricket team, whatever you might, what, what, and, and, and all that. And I, but I think the, the ability to play as a team, to pull people out of the dirt when they're down, set common goals, you know, especially the end of the year goal, the large goal, but then break down your season into little bits. Yep. Like, I think these are life skills. I think yep. the, the sporting... You know, you talk about we're not really setting ourselves up from a business sense, but subconsciously we're building some really great habits and learnings about yeah. being able to deliver a successful business. Yep. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think hundred um, percent, and I think I probably learned more of that going into coaching. So mm -hmm. when I finished, when I called time on my playing career, I got asked to go and coach at, at Barnsley. So I mm -hmm. did that while having the business, uh, which was difficult for probably two, three years. Yep. And I probably learned that more then where you're, you're planning, you're setting your goals, you're setting your values and your beliefs that underpin what you're trying to do from a from a goals and target point of view. Yep. And then, yeah, you hit, it, you hit it hard and you address your people, you address your challenges week, week to week and you report week to week, month to month. So I think as a goalkeeper, it's a little bit different, you know, because as a goalkeeper, you're – um, the idea of the team is to score and win get win games, mm. right? As a goalkeeper, and when you win games, you celebrate. As a goalkeeper, you totally contradict that mindset. Yeah, because when I've saved, yeah, you might win three two. Yeah, know, and you've let two through two. Goals. Yeah, but my my job is to kill off that party. That's right. you know. So I think as a goalkeeper, you train separately. Yeah, your mindset's different. You're always sort of part of that team, but detached a little bit. Yeah, so it's there, but it's it's very. They always talk about a goalkeeper's union, right? So mm. it's it's always separate to the wider team a yeah. little bit. So I think yes, you find the the teamwork really in coaching, but now you definitely with kids. I think with kids these days, it's. You know, I 
for my four boys, they're starting their sporting journeys. It's not whether they're going to make a be a professional athlete. It's having that commitment to the person next year. You know, like I have to rock up every day. Correct. And I've got to put in an effort because if I don't, it makes it harder for the guy next to me. Too easy for kids these days to sit at home, live a life through a, an iPad or a screen. Yeah, I agree. And play FIFA. You I know, agree. but there's no there is no through down that path, it's a fake world and there's no responsibility to anybody. Yeah. So that's where I think for kids, sport is sports 100%. massive. I and that's you- why that's as a country, why we're so we do so well because sport underpins everything we do. Yeah, here. it's a big sporting country. I, yeah. I believe uh, it doesn't just have to be sport though. I think it could be anything sort of in that co-curricular world. My, my daughter joined the choir at school uh, and, you know, halfway through the second term was saying to me, dad, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really, si- I'm not really feeling this. It's not something I really enjoy. It's taking up my lunch times. It's doing this, it's doing that. And I don't so, blame her. <laughs> no, I, I, I must admit choir wasn't my first choice, but, you know, look, it's something that she wanted to do and try out and go for it. So she said she wanted to quit. Uh, my uh, decision, I guess, at the end of the day was you can quit, but we'll make that call at the end of the year once you've mm. given it a full year. Yeah. You've committed to the people in that, in that, uh, in that team, I guess. Uh, if you leave now halfway through, you're letting him down. Yep. We don't let people down in this yep. family, right? Yeah. From that sense. So she's sticking it out and now actually really loving it. Yeah. And because she's committed to it now, she knows that she's going to see it through. Whether she then, she, she, I'm allowing her to make that decision at the unit. But I think that can be found that I, I really love that attitude that you've got as everything is team-based and team-focused. It's about how we affect other people yeah. as opposed to… Yeah, for sure. And I think that's old school values in mm. a way as well. I think it's, you know, as the world modernizes and goes at a faster pace, things become so transient and so, you know, throw away new one tomorrow type yeah. mentality. So, um, you know, the old school mentality is no, you know, like I'm if I commit to you, I'm going to commit, I'll do the job, I'll do it the best I can. And then we, yeah, we build a relationship. With kids these days, what they see is my phone, need a new phone tomorrow. Yeah. So we just change. It's the uh, Even marriages, divorces, mm. you know, you see 60% rates. There's no relationships. I get worried when I see those relationships that, you know, on Facebook, I love you. This is amazing. Yeah, I, I think there's problems there. Right? <laughs> um, there's no there, – Look, there's a, there's, there is room for – being grateful, yeah, absolutely. But when it's a weekly occurrence and it's yeah, it's, it's a show thing. No, then e- it's, every yeah. relation, no matter what relationship it is, everything, every relationship has its challenges. Yeah, you know. Right. So it's again too easy to just go. Let's just let's call it quits. Let's divorce. Whatever. You know. Like yeah. I think that's that's the world that we live in, and I don't think it's productive. I think it's um, yeah. I think if you can work around that, you you find a niche straight away. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about. I'm really interested in how. And my wife drives me nuts. By the way. She's <laughs> the, a pain in the ass. So we won't. But send I tolerate it. <laughs> We're not going to send her this link to to listen to this oh, podcast. No. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about my wife because uh, uh, I'm smarter than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, I, I'm really interested in the. I guess your attitude 
towards growing a business. Obviously, Solmec are a startup in, in the solar industry and doing some great things and winning some really large projects. And, you know, you're working on mm. the Zero Cost Energy Future Project from what I understand, which yep. is SA Water's really large program about having no power bill really in, in its shortest. So they're putting solar yep. panels everywhere around the state, which is great, great initiative. You are a very busy man. I know that as we know each other personally, I know that you're a very busy man. You've got a lot going on. How do you manage your time with your children, with sport, with growth, family time, as well as managing a business? And and is there uh, is there a formula that you use to get that right or is there still room for improvement? I'm yeah, interested in your thoughts. There's improvement like every every minute of every day yeah. like and in terms of business owners and you know it as well mm. we've we're still young and we don't and someone someone once told me up until 30 33 you think you know everything <laughs> everything you know yeah then you hit 30 33 and you realize you know fuck all yeah and it's so true you know mm. like then you get to a point you go shit I, I know nothing and you need to spend every day learning um, and, I th- and I suppose that's biz- when you go into business for yourself and you have people that rely on you every day, every fortnight the wages go out, I think, um, yeah, it puts a whole different pressure and how you balance your family with those responsibilities is, 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 is hard. It's very hard. And I think the only formula that – the formula that makes it easier but I don't think you ever get it perfect is having good people around you mm. that you can trust for me if you get people right um and that solves a heap heap of the problems yeah yeah absolutely agreed it is a and i know you as i said i know you personally for me it's the same with employee but people who work in the team and, and as part of and grow you're all growing together you feel like they're almost your family, right? It yeah. is that element of, and so I don't want to let them down. But then you've got someone that you've committed to outside of work that you don't want to let down, and yep. your children you want to see grow, and you want to be part of them. It, it is a it is a really tough juggling act. Do you do you switch off? Do you have time where you turn off the phone at you know five o'clock at night when it finish work finishes i'm just using five o'clock as a standard number five o'clock and then spend family time or is there is there a sort of any rules that you have in place for yourself or is it kind Uh, of just figure it out as you go along it's probably this probably this year has been been a little bit different going into and starting up a business that so you're um, in hustle mode really at the moment full on like it's just you know, from our targets that we had start, had at the at the start of the year, uh, when we set our budgets and our projections and all that sort of fun stuff, the growth has been like pretty pretty phenomenal. Yeah. But with that growth comes more responsibility and less time to do yeah. it. So, I think it's been it's a hard year. I think uh, you know those first two years of owning any business, I think is just crazy manic. Mm-hmm. But some little things I try and do. Um, you know, like definitely Sundays. I'm starting to now, on a Sunday, I'd switch the phone off. Mm-hmm. I think the f- the phone is the biggest. It's we talk about AI. Mm-hmm. We are already tied to AI. AI is just uh, phones is just another part. Yeah. of It's another arm. It's another leg. It's another ear. Um, and I think when you can turn them off, you 
change the way you see things. Mm. Um, and the other thing I try and do is I'll try and get into work earlier on like a kids play sport on a Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. So I'll try yeah. to at least one of those days get there for the whole session. Um, and then, you know, you've got two playing, then another two, one off my one leg, one off the other. And then it's, that creates like a nice little environment. Yeah. So I try to do that. And then also try at least once a week, take them to school. Yeah, great. So that's that's what I try to fit in at, at minimum every week. Yeah. But I love the kids. Like I could spend every day with them. They're just amazing, you know. But No doubt. The reality is you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and booking family time, you go on a few holidays to get away and spend good quality time with them. It's just about managing it all in yep. it really. It is a, it is a really uh, – it's a – it's a tough subject because finding, I don't know, I've had the same sort of conversations with myself, finding the right time, what's right, what's wrong. It's the unconditional love that you get from the family that sometimes you take advantage of. Mm. But it's uh, it is a it's a tough journey, I think. Like you said, the first couple of years, once you've built to a point. I, I want to ask you, have you got any strategy in place for Solmec in growing it so mm. you can – instead of working within the business, you then work on the business? Is that something that you've are you got uh, in, in, in plan now? Or? I think the way we try to probably structure ourselves. Um, how, sorry, how big is Solmec now? How many people yeah. size-wise yeah. Uh, turn up? If you can provide turnover, whatever. Probably yeah. leave turnover. Turnover, yeah. But no I can tell you, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so we had, uh, well, we've got about seven projects on the go at the moment. Right. So we probably forecast of half the half the revenue and half the people, um, but in the last couple of months we've we've won some good projects. Yep. So today at we've got a job in Wellington, New South Wales. We've got 102 people on that. Yeah, wow. Um, and here in uh, SA we've got three, four projects. We've got another 50. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a job over at Lord Howe Island, uh, off the coast of New South Wales. We've got seven guys and yep. like four of them have been like shipwrecked there for, oh, for, yeah, for months yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. And they've been amazing, like just helping us through that. Um, managed to get a few of them out for a week, but it's literally once you're there, you got to stay there. So yeah, yep. got another seven or eight, um, there and there's a couple of other little projects everywhere. So topping out at the moment. To oh, I don't need it close. Say call it one fifty to two hundred. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and that's pretty rapid growth considering a year ago you were at twenty thirty people. Is that correct? Oh, uh, a year ago we're probably no, we had zero a year ago. Uh, oh, well, then zero. Yeah, well, well we had. Yeah, you, I think our first project <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't even on. Uh, on the I book, sort yeah. of like came in. Oh wow! So that is su- substantial growth. Yeah, we're like eight eight nine months in. So yeah, wow. Yeah, it's full on, and I, th- I think to answer you, I don't, th- I don't know, especially with this sort of building construction work, I don't think you can ever come away from it. Mm-hmm. This is it's it's a jungle, right? Mm-hmm. There's always someone ready to put one over you, blame you for something. Yeah, you've got to be pretty onto it and pretty thick skinned mm-hmm. because very quickly it can it can unravel. So we're, we're a bit mindful of that. You know, commercially, you know, we've got growth, but, you know, a few things go wrong, it's it's lights out pretty quick. So that's, yeah. I suppose, why it's, a hostile it's, 
yeah, we're we're pretty pretty full on and active. We've got our COO who's unbelievable, probably the best in the business yep. in terms of the so that we do the solar, we do a lot of the piling and mechanical works. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a bit of electrical, but yeah, we've got got some good people, but you never I don't think you can't come away from it. So you we're in a time of it was an unprecedented time. You talked about the GFC in the UK recession. We're going through a similar uh, environment now. Australia's actually seeing what it's like now uh, to to have substantial loss of work. How have you gone about? I mean, you've created a business. What you said eight to nine months ago, you've 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 bought, you've bought into Solmec and you've built it. And how have you? positioned yourself in a market like this and seen such substantial growth is there any tips or tricks that you've you've got for anyone listening in i guess from all as from a business aspect not so much a solar aspect um i think in terms of the the growth and for some good early success uh this year with the year that COVID has been i think a lot of construction companies have probably still done okay Mm -hmm. but it's probably just pure it's a bit of bit of luck, really. Mm. You know, like I still believe you make your own luck to a certain degree. You've got to put yourself out there. You know, the yeah. old saying: you sit on a couch, you're not going to be lucky. Yeah, correct. But you get out there. You, you. Well, it goes back to the comment before when you said you came back from the UK and network like crazy. I guess is that something that you did with your business? Is it you just spoke to hundred percent? Yeah, I went, and I've always even at NZN and. Uh, I've always been good at networking and, you know, sort of doing that sales piece because mm-hmm. you can have whatever business you like, mm. right? You can have a really good operational and, yes, you can deliver good products, but unless you're selling, mm. unless you're active, getting quotes out, building relationships, like there's no money. Yeah, <laughs> so, there's nothing coming in. Yeah, it dry, yeah. dries up pretty quick. Yeah. So for me, I think that's my strength in the business. Um, my strength isn't necessarily operational. Yeah, that's why we have good people out there that can deliver the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't ever stop. I don't ever stop being active and speaking to people, and and then just you know picking up different learnings that I've had in the past, where you know where it was a mentor that I had at NZN or in the UK, and I think you just you need to be commercially savvy, but you also got to always build a relationship that I'm. I'm giving, mm-hmm. you know, and whether whether you create that perception or you actually do it and most of the time you actually have to do it because the person sitting over the table is usually pretty switched on. Mm-hmm. I think if you can always take but then give back, I think that's, that's how you build relationships, you know. Relationships don't build just by on take, take, take. Right. There's got to be, you know, a two, a, a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type yeah. mentality. The always. win-win. Uh, always, that's the way yeah. the world works and you'd know that more than anybody. Do you, when you network, what's your modes of networking? Is it picking up the phone, cold calling? Is it uh, LinkedIn, ringing people that you know and asking for introduction? What is your standard go-to mode of of networking? And I, the reason why I ask is because we had a previous on a previous podcast uh, with a guy by the name Matthew McAllevich. He mentioned networking being 
in a time of COVID, if he, if he could give one tip, it would be go out and meet as many new people, even though that's difficult, I guess. There's not as many functions going on. But it's it's the personal connection and meeting people one-to-one is the number one priority for most that most people should be yep. having right now and building relationships. Not trying to win, not trying to sell, but just building relationships. So I'm really keen and obviously seeing the growth that uh, Solmex seen in the past six to six to uh, nine months. What are your methods of that? If you said that's your best attribute, how have you gone about? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't. It's, yeah, I, I'd go about it by organize. Like I think LinkedIn's a great resource, mm-hmm. so I've used LinkedIn. But then I don't, I don't know. This week, this year's been really strange for us. So <coughs> yes, there's been net. I've. Number one, like per, in terms of face-to-face networking, there's been no opportunities or yeah. limited opportunities yeah. to do that. This year it's been – we've delivered a couple of good projects and and the network piece has come to us in a way. Okay. So the requests have been coming to us, the emails have been coming to us, but then the network piece still kicks in Yeah. because I can have as many requests for quote come over my desk how do I network? Well, how do you get your name out there? Because is it, is it the customer service element that you guys deliver? You deliver oh, yeah, such I can tell a- you, our, our, tactic, our, our tactic for us to network was we went around and we spoke to all the key racking manufacturers mm-hmm. because ultimately the EPCs or the developers go to the racking manufacturers first they then give them prices and then they recommend civil slash mechanical installers. Mm-hmm. So one of the best things I actually did is I went pre-COVID, I went to Sydney and we'd done some work with a company called Next Tracker. It's a US-based company mm-hmm. and we, just, we, we did a good job. I went and took one of their key guys and his offsider. I went and took him out for lunch. No other reason. I wasn't trying to get work out of them. I'm not buying yeah. stuff from them. So I took them out for lunch and just start to, started to get an understanding of what they're doing, what, what their targets look like, what does the next year look like, what does the next two years look like, what does their pipeline look like. And, I, and, and he's a great guy, so I enjoyed spending time with him. Um, but it was more to go, all right, if I can tie myself to you guys, your product's amazing. Um, you're delivering good good projects in Australia, then you guys might recommend me, and then we can then just the partnering. Yeah, model. we can jump on your success also. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much from that. If you look, when I think about it from a a point in time, then our phone definitely started ringing, mm. but indirectly because these guys were going ring Solmec. Awesome guys. They've delivered some projects for us, done a good job. And then it's about, yes, I'm putting in a quote, but how can I build a relationship at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Which is great. So it's positioning yourself with and riding in the coattails of someone else's success, I guess. It's it's a it's a really smart option, isn't mm-hmm. it? Really. You think about the amount of businesses that uh, have become successful through Amazon, Microsoft. Google, whatever it might be, yeah, it's it's writing in there. So yeah, yeah, good job. I'm really interested in in the time, uh, like we said, that we're in now, and you've got teams all around Australia. 
limited travel. I know you are considered an essential worker, so you can travel. You still got license to go. Uh, you're going to Sydney next week, are you? Or? No, well that um, Queensland, Queensland, yeah, Queensland's okay. Yeah, um, it was easier. Like it's been so strange. All yeah. the legislation. Yeah, we've got someone working on legislation like almost fifty percent of the, the time. time, but it's um, it's just been it's just been crazy. You know, at a point in time, we were allowed in and out, and then they flipped it within a couple of days, and you're not allowed in and out. So you have to quarantine when you come here. Okay. Um, which is there's it costs money, it yeah. costs time. Yeah. So it's been like difficult from from that point of view. We've made it work. How have you managed managed your leadership capabilities? How have you led teams through this time being all around obviously all around Australia? Uh how have you managed that? Have you got good leaders in place yeah. on these projects? Have you set ground rules? What, what's been your method? Yeah, so we've 100% haven't got it right. Yeah. I'll tell you some like <laughs> yeah. massive horror stories. Yeah. Um, well, tell me, what, what is what is an area where you go, well, we, we could redo that again? I, I think it's, I don't know if you, it's, sometimes you don't know a person. Yeah. You can get the references, you can interview, you can take them for a coffee, but until you start to work with them, for a month, yep. a week, two months, you you never know what their what they truly are and what their true values are. So we've had, and I think the the most important thing to do, and my my always belief is, like I don't care whether, yes, you need to be sort of half competent at being able to do something, but in this day and age, if you're a good guy. And you and or, you're or reliable, or girl, or, or, or girl, you're good human, yeah, good say. human, um, and reliable, then we'll make it work. Yeah, you know, if you're just a, a straight down the line sort of person, you're not going to create issues, or then we'll we'll back you a hundred and fifty percent. Right. So probably got it, got that wrong, even though that's our one of our ethos when we bring on new people. There's been instances where project managers come on and you start to learn things about them that you're like, oh, my God, this is, like, frightening. Mm. And you've, I think the most important thing is not to persevere, persevere, persevere. If the alarm bells start going and your gut starts going, you've got to call a spade a spade. Call it and operate within the employment legislation and your contractual obligations, but pretty much, yeah, part ways and start again. So um, that's, I think, the amount of times we've got it wrong, we've got it right because we flipped it quickly. Yeah. And only because the people weren't good people. They didn't hold our same values. Mm. But may, uh, could they sell it in an interview? Their references sold it. They were like, must have been on the pay, on their payroll. But then when you get to know them, it's scary. Yeah, it's amazing. I know exactly what you're going through. I, look, I believe I'm a really great reader of people. I, we we are a people business, right? We deal with cultural leadership, change that whole, and and we primarily work in the people space. That is it. Um, but even we can, can completely misread some people. Yeah. So yeah, I, I believe that's one of the biggest things. So behaviorally, I think I will hire someone on their behavioral competencies. 
first and foremost, so they're, they're technical. I mean, they've got to be technically capable. Obviously. It depends on the role. Correct. Like if, yeah. you've, if you've got them doing electrical work, obviously they've got to be they need, competent. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I absolutely agree. But if they're, if they're good, and it's the same in sport. Without a doubt. Right? Same as if you're a good electrician but you've got a shit work ethic. Correct. I'd rather the guy that's a bit lesser on the electrical side that you can – bring him up to speed, but that's got an amazing work ethic. Yeah, absolutely. Like, all day. And what you find, the really smart people sometimes, those really you get the smart people that are uh, – you find the smart people that aren't necessarily have the good values mm -hmm. but have gone through their life thinking they're smarter than everyone mm. and thinking they're smarter than you and couldn't do it better than you and have never done it. And they're the ones that usually cause you problems, mm. you know. And that's what I the, I found. You go like within a week, you've got guys. Oh, you, your businesses should be doing it this way. Should be doing it that way. How many businesses have you said? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm all, I'm one to take on advice from people who are offering advice how we should run the business. Absolutely. Whether you listen yeah. to that advice and act on it is is one thing. Everyone is playing in their own little playing their own little battle though yep. aren't they? and i think it's about finding the right happy medium you know you say i don't call a spade a spade and call it early that's actually a really tough skill set to learn is calling calling it early yeah and it's not nice either no right? it's, it's not but i guess even from our we work in leadership right so we believe that everyone is working at at from their best and so we will try to always put some extra time and effort into it but yeah, there is definitely some times where that can't, that just won't happen because the person is not willing for it to happen and not willing to change and and bend to the values of the business as opposed to their own. So it's not even the, just the values of the business. It's the, you, it's just the value. It's just the the personal values, and you start yeah, to see correct. the alarm bells. So hundred percent, you give the person the benefit of the doubt. You support correct. them. You try and make them the, to be the best they can possibly be. be. But when you're getting things start to come from all different areas from different people that's where you talk and whether it's in sporting team or business you talk about a, like a, you create a cancer in the team yeah that's, that's amazing right? you said that yeah it's the cancer in the team that quick, quick, quickly spreads yeah and the way i look at it is that guy we've got all these amazing people that do a good graph of the business like are good to the other people that they work with you got one guy that's jeopardizing and it could jeopardize all those great people. Yeah, great. That's that when I look at this person in particular, that was my driver. If I keep you on much longer, you could potentially put at risk because we're a young business, all those guys and all the great work they've done. No, nah, not gonna happen. Unravel it. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I was thinking about it before and I was gonna say it, but I didn't. <laughs> my old I played AFL, not soccer. So my old footy coach, AFL football coach, under 15s down at Henley Sharks, was used to say the exact same comment. Uh, and he, I remember he moved it, removed a kid from the team once because he, uh, his comment he used to scream it out. You're like a you're like a cancer eating at the very fabric of our team. Yeah, and I don't want you here. Yeah, uh, because he was he was he was bringing 
the team down and the the yep. attitudes towards the common goal at the end, which was to win the premiership. Now we won three premierships in a row. Yeah, under that coach, and um, so we learned some really great lessons. And it's funny because you say you you the sporting. I talk about teamwork before, but if you if you've got a good coach, and I think this when you align sport with business. If you've got a good coach, you remember those lessons for mm. life. And I'm referring to something that happened yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe that in leadership in a business too. If you've got someone in your role, CEO level, sitting and managing the, and leading the troops and you're leading by example and you're actually calling a spade a spade and you're not uh, living outside of your values or the business values, then I reckon that makes for a great leader and people will always look up to that. Yeah, and I think the big thing is if you have – no one's ever going to be perfect, Mm. but if you have the right people around you that catch you, so when you're not not being the best you you should be, people are either supporting you or letting you know, I think that's really important because there's not one person on earth that's that's perfect. No, I agree. So, yeah, and it's interesting to say about the sport. I mean, at Barnsley, give you a prime example at Barnsley. And sometimes it stinks from the head down, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a whoever's leading it that has the wrong values. Mm-hmm. We had a we had a coach, a really well respected coach, managing us at Barnsley. Top, we had the highest wage bill in all of League One. Um, come I don't know halfway through the season, we'll bottom. You know, like mm. dead dead last. Not oh, bottom three. I managed to get out of it. Got through half mid table. And there was him and he had a couple of his players in there that were just just not committed. Mm-hmm. Next season starts off again and same thing. And this is the sort of coach that would make young players wash his car and oh, wow. you know, would abuse players in front. Like just in terms of core values was was horrendous. And as mm-hmm. a young kid from Australia, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. You know? yep. He got sacked. Mm-hmm. The assistant who was actually a really good guy, came in and he brought the physio in. He sat everyone in a room. They put four bottles of scotch on the table and as much beer as you wanted. <laughs> so this is midway through the second season that I was there. Yeah. Um, we said all we're going to do for the rest of the year is have fun. You guys are tired. You've, you're, you're sick of this environment. Have a good night on the lash Yeah, because I like to drink over there. Yeah, they do. But from now on, trainings are going to be fun. Um, we want you guys to have fun. We got to follow certain guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. We got promoted that year. Yeah, wow. So we got promoted from League One into Championship. So like it full full three one eighty turn. Yeah, yeah that's full one eighty. So it's I've seen it. Yeah, seen it. It's all about culture, and just trying to do the right things. And at the end of the day, people want to go to work or sport. They want to have fun. Like it's not always going to yeah. be fun, but they want to laugh. They want to be able to have a laugh, enjoy themselves. Otherwise, you know, what's the use in living? We've talked outside of work where – sorry, outside of this podcast, I should say, where you mentioned that you're doing some really great stuff with communities. Mm. And I saw you at LinkedIn posts not so long ago yeah. about connecting. You talk about culture. Yep. It seems like you're doing some really great things uh, and giving some – unfortunate people mm. a really great opportunity can you elaborate on on that it, it's a really i feel i feel a really pur- purposeful 
program that you you're running at Solmec. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty rewarding. Um, so it's it's probably like a joint initiative with NFN slash SA Water as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously we've done a fair bit of work for them, and they they were driving certain industry participation targets mm-hmm. because it's a government project. We've probably like sort of adopted it and taken it to another level. So part of our internal commitment, so we have an internal commitment and our commitment to the program is that we need to bring on a certain number of displaced workers, upskill a certain number of workers um, and, and any other disadvantage. So I don't, I don't like to pigeonhole like whether it's Aboriginal Torres Strait or like I think, no, we just want to help people, yeah. right? So, um, but so within that remit, we need to. So, um, we've made a real conscious effort to look at taking on hardcore unemployed or displaced workers, anyone, you know, six to 12 months struggling to get back in the workforce. And I think what we do, solar farms, it's really systematic in nature. Um, you're part of a team, it can be quite fun. Yeah. Um, and you're seeing progress every day. So, you've got a purpose, you know what you're coming to work to do and by the end of the day you've seen what you've done. Well, the, and even the ultimate purpose, you know what this is going to deliver. And that, yeah, wants, the overarching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've brought brought on quite a few displaced or hardcore unemployed workers and it's tough. Yeah. It's real tough because obviously they've they've made mistakes and they found themselves in a position but what is amazing and what, really drives us is we've seen some of these guys absolutely blossom you know mm-hmm. like guys that have been out of work six 12, 12 months you see them get a sniff of an opportunity and from the day one they come in and do their induction and then you go and see them outside six days later and they're laughing smiling bubbling it's like for me talk about profits margins yeah it's all good but that that is the driver the, the giving back amazing know. like that that is for me like i feel like choking up here like that yeah. for me is better than anything so we've had instances where like one of the guys two or three weeks ago was just coming into work a bit disheveled a little bit um dirty um and our head of HR and our site supervisor notes started to notice a few things that maybe resembled hardship so they put his arm around him, said, are you okay? End up, long story short, they found out he was sleeping out of his car. Yeah, wow. Right. So they helped him along, um, ended up helping him to get some accommodation. So helped him with that. A couple of pay packets down the line. He looks a different bloke. He's thriving. So awesome. You know, like that is the stuff that that's – if we can do that. And yeah. for every – you'll have 10 that are just – and I can tell you plenty of stories where it's gone the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Where these same guys have been sleeping in the paddock, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> and then done it again three days later. But if we can go through all of that crap to then help one, two, three people, then amazing. You know? Yeah. So guys that have not rocked up to work for two days, why? Oh, don't want to tell you why. Mm. Find out, haven't got enough money to put in petrol in their car. So – you know, then you got our site supervisor, which is Richard Hampton, like absolute legends of a guy, out of his own doesn't even tell anyone anybody, just keeps it within himself, out of his own pocket. And that's because he knows our values and he's mm. part of it. Here's fifty bucks. Don't worry about it. 
company will pay for it, put petrol in your car, get you through to your pay, and then you're fine. So it doesn't make a big deal about it, you know. And yeah. for me, it's that's another similar story. Amazing. Um, do you, that, that's a mate, like an amazing mm. story. And yeah, seeing some of those good news stories, I, I dare say there'd be ten hard hard news stories that come out of it as well. <laughs> does um, does that where does that stop for that individual? Do you employ them and help them and then with all aspects of life, like finance and everything like that? Or, I mean, is there a fine line where you don't get involved? Well, the door's in, always open. Yeah. But there's a point where you can't intrude. Yeah. You know. They, and, they're going to they need to want the help. Yeah. The, that's their private yeah. life. So, you know, I've had – yeah, I've actually had a couple of instances, maybe some of our – site supervisors and I'll, I'll overhear, you know, I don't think I'll ever buy a house. Mm. Sorry? Mm. What do you mean? And so we've helped him. We've put a program together to go, right, let's see how you go throughout the – by the end of the year, if you look after what I can see, and he he came in and wanted the help, you should be able to buy a house. There's no reason why not to. So, yeah, there's that. There's another young kid that came out of a private school this is a yeah, it's interesting. Private school, so parents spent twenty, thirty grand a year, but doesn't want to work. Um, said, all right, come, come on. Got some, a, a you know, parent asked if we can help him, so I got him on. He's doing an amazing job. Feels part of something, but now it's like, well, what are you doing with your money? So where I'm actively every day, every time I see him, I'll go, how's your, how's your money going? Because then you make sure he's not pissing it up the wall yeah. he's not gambling it away he's not so i think we yeah i think just subconscious not everyone's like that but i'm a bit like that yeah how, how can i help this kid because when he gets to 30 he's 20 now when he gets to 30 he wants to have something mm. you know if he's working hard you know what our parents instill into us mm. it's maybe a cultural thing I, I don't know but yeah if we've if we can provide that mechanism or that vehicle for people to be better in life or be the best that they can possibly be, then, yeah, that's good. How long does it take to get some of these guys, these people's trust? I guess they've come from a a background of, of hardship and they've, they've seen some things that I guess you and I probably would never even dream of. Mm. Is it, are they, um, are, are they sort of standoffish? When they come through the doors of Solmec, and, and is it a long we, process to get gaining their trust? Or? We 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 give full trust from day one. Day one, yeah. The question is, the, the, how long can they keep it? Mm. That's yeah. that's what, and you know, and then the trust builds probably. Yeah, but we don't we don't question them, we don't judge them, none none of that from from their people. You know, so just I, having that attitude alone would would. Make them feel much more comfortable. Yeah, give them yeah. make make sure they got a uniform. Yeah, cool. make sure they feel part of it. Um, and I think so. Our the company that I sort of bought out to come into this. Uh, I think he instilled some good qualities. You know, in this industry and in a lot of industries, people pawn people. You know, like yeah. they're they're nothing. You know, backpackers. You just work, get you paid your wage, and treat them like junk yeah. we have the total opposite mentality if you're a backpacker no matter what you are we want to treat you well treat you good um under, learn about you where you come from mm -hmm. 
And that's why you talk about that job at Wellington. We've got other companies that are willing to pay, uh, offering $5 more an hour. These people want to come to us, mm. not because of money. It's because we treat them like a, a person. Like yeah. we want to, So as you get bigger, that becomes harder, but that's one of our 100% our core values. Yeah. So you employ the right leadership team to then. And so you can't do it with everyone, but you employ a leadership team that can. And yeah. Build yep. those values upon, yep. upon your we, levels. We try. Them. You know, we had oh, sorry, I'm heaps so many stories, but three months ago, so we had a kid that came in and worked on a project. He was just average, would go into the car, eat his lunch on his own, and all the guys were like, What's you know, this guy's got into great. I had a really good hard chat with him and I said, We're gonna give you one more chance on a project, but you've gotta you've gotta give people what you want to get back. Mm. so please make an effort anyhow goes through a project we had a like a, a ramp down of a project everyone in a room out that same site supervisor was in tears because he's like this kid has gone full circle mm. like from where he was at to what he is now he goes i trust him 150 percent and he was he's, he's crying so yeah. that like having is that supervisory that that build that in and then they see this guy crying for them. Mm. It's huge. Yeah. And you lose that in big corporate stuff, you know. I think we want to keep it a level that we can keep that keep that stuff happening because I've been involved in corporate, you know, it's, you don't get that. No, it's a different – It's a different. you've been in it. We play a lot in it still. Yeah. Um, yeah. You like to think there is some really great elements in corporate in there and it, it, there is there's some really great people. I guess it's just when companies become so large, they can become siloed a little bit and you lose the connection. It is tough. The more and more people, you've got a company with 10,000 people, it's uh, it's tough to keep Absolutely. really personal yeah. a little bit. Uh, I think we are uh, almost coming to the end. It's been a really fantastic chat, Dave. Thank you very much for... Uh, we were telling us some of those great stories. That I really love that purpose-led stuff. Are you going to continue that more and more into the future? Is that something that you, regardless of this sort of N of N SA Water yeah project, yep. you you'll keep working? Yeah, so with? we're building that into most of it. Like we've got a project day. we're looking to start in Queensland. Yeah, and we're already setting the the the, the blocks for that. Yeah, so we great. work with a company called Matchworks. Yeah, um, and they've got a division out there as well. So we're already going. Yeah, we need to have. We want to keep that same sort of percentage run. So right. can we put yeah. put Matchworks in the show notes if anyone wants to have it, check them out as well? Yeah, and, awesome, awesome. Which should be great. So what's what's the plans? I guess for Solmec and David Scarcella moving forward. What do you? What do you have? Yeah, what, what's your vision on the what the future looks like? Uh, from business? business. Yeah, I, well, let's start with Solmec. Yeah, yeah, so I think Solmec, we want to we want to be careful we don't boom and bust, Yeah, you know, which is the 100% risk in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's high risk, so it doesn't take much for a company to go under and take you with it. So we're very mindful of that. We've set up a couple of other subsidiary businesses that do – Similar does similar stuff, but mm-hmm. it's probably more of a flat-lined revenue profile. Mm-hmm. It's not project-driven where it's boom, okay, we're down and we're up and down. Yep. So that's been real, really important. So we want to keep pushing into that area. We want to have the projects, but we want to have 
another side to what we do where it's it's more framework, it's more steady flow of income. Yep. The values don't change, nothing changes. So yeah. Excellent. And what about yourself? Uh I think it's all about the kids. Yeah. That's it. You know, like it's all about the kids. Um you know, what about people, your wife? You, you're forgetting about well, her. Well, we don't have time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, well, we don't have time. Well, I, think children, it's a, I, I don't know. You know, I I've got two, and yeah, it's a, it's tough. Four is a because your youngest is uh, just uh, just under two. Just under two. Yeah, I think it's so. mutual recognition, and she knows like we've yeah. got to give everything to the kids. So you always get the oh, can you coach or can you can you come back and play for a club or yeah? And my answer is how am I going to do that? I've got to. I need to be here and supporting the kids and yep. then, yeah, just trying to create a nice environment for the family to grow up in and then retire and that's it. Done. <laughs> retire. <laughs> Done. Do we ever retire? Never. Never. <laughs> never. So. Entrepreneurs never retire. No, I think there's always something out there that we can work on, whether it's, you know, helping creating business or uh, helping our kids, I guess, create yeah. a, a value. So the way we end the, every show, I have just a couple of quick fire questions. that put you on the spot a little bit. This is I love this part of the show. Yeah. Uh, but one question: We're, as you know, a very, very much a a a business that is high value in growth and knowledge and wisdom. Is wisdom is one of our is one of our values. So I ask, what what's your favorite book? I know you've read a little bit here and there, but what is your What's one book that you feel like that has had a profound impact on you? Uh, Delivering Happiness. Delivering Happiness. Yeah. So get Is it, that, read it. Yeah. Get, it's got an audio book as it well. It does. Yes. Yeah. So excellent. So it's that's the story around uh, a company called Zappo yeah. in the US. So yeah. It's a big commercial it is. company so yeah, yeah it's, it's that's all about i'm trying to think of his last name i can't pronounce uh, it tony shay tony shay it's tony, tony shay yeah it's all about pe- it's all about people culture yeah how you keep people happy it's really interesting it is yeah. great amazing yeah. i think it's michelle one of michelle you know michelle she's yeah one of her she loves yeah. she goes on about that book a lot so well yeah. done there if you could have one superpower other than being Mr. David Scarcella himself, if you first look at the state of me, mate, <laughs> there's no superpowers here. <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, uh, well, I'm usually Hulk at home. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm Hulk. Like every is that day. because you get angry a lot? Or? No, because <laughs> the, the little ones just want to want to punch on yeah, half okay, the time. Yeah. So um, I'd probably go for. Invisibility, maybe. Invisibility. You were going to say flying. Also. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Invisibility would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We had teleportation once before. It's, yeah. I reckon that'd be great. That'd, that'd be good. Flying would be just as Yeah. Very good. If you had access to a time machine, where would you go? Um, hmm. I would go to... Well, that's a tough question. I know. Does everyone get stumped on that? Well, some people think future. Some no, I people, thought I'd go future. I'd some, be a bit too clever. But yeah. some people think past. There's yeah. But I'll, you answer, and then I'll give you some other. I'm a I'm a bit of an a bit of an old like I like I like yeah. the 
simple things in life. Yeah. You know, I still try to keep chickens and yeah, you live on, you live off farm actually. We didn't, farm. We, we yeah. didn't, didn't delve into that. So a little farm. So I I love and I remember as a kid going to play like Italy, for example, when you see those little towns and they're bustling with you know herds of goats and stuff going through and you know buildings and there's old ladies just cooking pizza underneath yeah. you go there now it's not like that so i yeah i'd love to go back to maybe post-world war two yeah somewhere somewhere after post, the, just after post yeah just to see because they did it hard you know oh, it would be amazing yeah, yeah it'd it'd be amazing. Growth. you'd make a bit of money i reckon <laughs> as an entrepreneur yeah. post-world war two and be invisible <laughs> and be, <laughs> amazing can't go wrong we had one, and I, you would appreciate this. We had one guy, his name's Shane Harris. He said he would go back and he'd, he'd at the time where his grandparents were teen, like 18, 19, 20, mm. and spend time with them and get to know them for who they were at that time. Well, that's time. post. For, uh, yeah. Maybe it's sim- similar. That's similar post. Thing, yeah. Because it's really amazing to see what our parents, like we think we, and this is what gets me today, right? Here, and yes, there's depression, there's problems. There's, in the big scheme of things, guys, like, Think of where the world was at in the forties. Yeah, you know they had nothing. My well, da- my dad they had buildings talked, spread throughout the ground, like shattered everywhere. Yeah, they really next but to my dad talks about not having a shower for mm. for six months, mm. not seeing his dad till till he was twelve. Mm. Going right, you're now going to get on a boat and go to a country you have no idea about to see your dad that you haven't seen in twelve years mm. and start a new life. Mm. And today we have kids that complain. I can't can't do that. So, yeah, I'd love to go back to those just, just n- simple times. Good. Mm. Yeah, good. Live off the hard, line. but simple. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, you are a, a father. So tell me your best dad joke. <laughs> best dad joke. Yeah. Um, Surely you've got one. Yeah, have, you got to keep uh, it PG, right? I've got, I've got one. <laughs> so there was a. A mummy tomato and a baby to- tomato walking across the road. Yeah, and the little tomato was lagging uh, lagging behind a bit. <laughs> I can and, already read the punchline. Yeah. And the mother tomato turned around, stepped on it, and said, "Catch up." <laughs> <laughs> I saw that a mile away. That's horrible. I love it, but well done. Yeah. Your kids come up with that. No, that's mine. No, that's yours. I that's think it's your... an old pulp fiction. Is joke, it? Actually. I used to. Yeah. I think that's probably why I saw it a yeah. mile away. Well done. Thank you very much, Dave, Thanks. for uh, being on the show. It's yeah. been been awesome. Good luck to you and the team at Solmec. You're doing some wonderful things. As you guys are doing some amazing Thank stuff. Thank you very much. I think the green energy world, uh, we need more of it. So, uh, yeah, yes, I hope buy it. Yeah, we need ab- it. <laughs> absolutely. Where can we find you? What? How do we get in contact with you? Um, so, yeah, for any uh, larger scale project or any solar. So we have Solar Lab that runs all of the small residential and commercial solar space. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, go through to solarlab.net.au yeah. and Solmec just probably come get me on LinkedIn. Or LinkedIn, yeah. Yep. Perfect. And your email? David at solmec.net.au. Beautiful. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks very much, Thanks mate. We'll catch you soon. Always yeah. good. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au 
And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.